Stack. I'm the host, Joanne, and I'll be joined by a guest talking about something that makes them smile, even though I probably don't know much about it. I have two guidelines, no punching or pushing, so we're aiming to discuss these topics without insulting anything else or pressing political and social issues. We're just here to learn new things and share the things that bring us joy. Let's get into it. So this week, I am back with Pia, the host of the podcast Crimes from the East. Uh, Listeners might remember her from some other fantastic episodes that we have done on true crime and UFOs, and we're here talking about something new today. So what are we talking about today, Pia? Hey, Joanne. Today, we're going to talk about feral children. (laughs) Totally unrelated to the last two episodes (laughs) that I was on. (laughs) Well, I mean, unrelated, but you can see where there's like a common thread of interest of things that are like kind of outside the norm or... Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm I'm really excited to get into this. This is something I know absolutely nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think you could kind of start with an explanation of what feral children means? Like, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. So essentially, a feral child is a human child who has been raised away from human contact, especially in the developmental years, and they lack the social constructs of a civil society the most crucial one of them being human language so that's what a feral child is by definition what do you think so far have you heard of any cases like that i nothing um real or you know i'm I'm thinking like mowgli from the jungle book is Uh roughly but i don't think that that's based in any real truth or fact so yeah no this is like a a brand new world for me (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are kind of, well, I'd say, I won't say you're wrong, but you may be wrong (laughs) in that assumption. Um, And so my interest in this topic also began with my love for the old 1967 Jungle Book movie. I love that movie. It was so special to me because, first of all, it was a movie about India and an Indian kid. So instantly I related to it. And I lived that kind of, well, not a feral life, but I did live in areas where I would climb, uh, you know, fruit trees in the afternoon and swing on banyan trees in my free time and, you know, break fruit over the weekend and chase snakes and other critters all over the place. So I was like, hey, this is fun. This is exactly, you know, what I kind of wanted my childhood to be like. Yeah. So that's where my interest began. And I was like, let's look further into what the Jungle Book was based upon. Because it didn't come from nowhere. Someone wrote <clears throat> those stories. And so I found out that the Jungle Book, which is written by Rudyard Kipling in 1894, so it's rather, rather old, was actually inspired by stories that Rudyard Kipling had heard and read in India. Now, Rudyard Kipling was born in India and spent his formative years there. I think when he was around 12 or 13, he was sent back to London. But he had heard tales of feral children and animals. He had heard animal fables from his nannies growing up. So he was kind of, you know, those ideas were milling about in his brain and they all came out when he wrote The Jungle Book. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And his source of stories of feral children 
The main source was Sir William Sleeman, who was a British soldier and administrator in British Empire, which was in India in the 1820s and 30s. So this William Sleeman, he would travel all through Indian villages and he would he would actually speak Hindi, which is the local language in central India. And he wrote several stories about their tales, their urban legends, and you know the curious goings-on in the villages. So he wrote a pamphlet called Wolves Nurturing Children in Their Dens. Pretty <laughs> clear what it's about. And this was written in 1849 and 56. So that was the period where he gathered the information and then he wrote this pamphlet. And this is believed to be the main source of Rudyard Kipling's inspiration for the Jungle Book. So you want to hear a story from that pamphlet? He's got, I think, four stories in that pamphlet. And I picked one, which was really interesting. Yes, absolutely. I want to hear this. Okay, so in the mid-1800s, a feral boy who looked about 12 was found by soldiers near Sultanpur, which is in central India. And this is an area where, especially in the 1800s, there were dense jungles, you know, rocky um, ravines around very powerful rivers and small villages along those rivers. But man was not the apex predator in that region. It was wolves, jaguars, and even tigers. So it's very much like what you saw in the Jungle Book. That's exactly how life was back then in that area. And so these soldiers caught this 12-year-old boy as he was trying to wedge a, a, his way into a wolf den with several other cubs. And so they were curious. They're like, why is this boy, you know, trying to get into a wolf den? Right. So they lit a fire and the wolves ran away and they cornered this little boy and they caught him. And they brought him back to their camp. And they noticed and they observed that he was naked. He was dirty. He was totally unkempt. And he wasn't behaving like a normal child. He looked absolutely feral, as the word says. They tried to give him food. They tried to give him water. And he wouldn't eat. When one of the guys gave him like raw meat, which they would serve the dogs, that's when he jumped on piece of meat and he was gnawing at it just like a dog would so he only ate raw meat they tried to put clothes on him but he would tear them off he didn't want anything on his body he was like you get this off of me who needs clothes i mean it's so hot there so i don't blame him <laughs> yeah well i mean if you're not if you're not used to it and you don't know what's happening it's like you can't really blame him but it's still so like so strange like I, I would just imagine it would be terrifying to come across a child like this where it's like, what is what is happening? Um, yeah, exactly. And the kid would actually shun human interaction. He didn't want to be around people. He wasn't interested in talking to anyone or he just didn't care. He walked on all fours just like the wolves did. Many people played hot potato with this poor kid passing him on to the next party because it's so it's a laborious task you know having to take care of this guy he can't right. communicate he doesn't want to be around you he's dirty you know it's it's it must be a tough task and people were just passing him around like here you take care of him you take care of him and a Kashmir shawl merchant uh took care of this boy and said you know what i'll take care of him because he's kind of like um, 
circus sideshow almost, right? It would attract customers. So he handed the boy over to one of his servants called Janu. And he's like, take care of this boy. You know, we're going to be famous. We we have this feral child. So make a man out of him. Come on. And Janu tried. what He couldn't because he's feral. So he tied the boy to a tent peg under a mango tree to try to control him a little bit because he would keep running off into the woods. So he had to tie him down like you would a wild animal. And over several weeks, he got the boy to eat rice and lentils, which is what typically you would eat um, in India. So he tried to get the boy to bathe and clean himself because he had a horrible stench about him. And you can just imagine why. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Probably hasn't showered for years. Who knows? So it didn't work. It didn't work. He tried everything. He just kept getting dirty on and on and off and he's like all right whatever after four months of this type of care and of course there was a lot of beating and scolding and well now we can call it abuse but back then that was the way they handled the situation sure the poor boy actually learned to walk on two two legs and he started to respond to a few sign language gestures the only word that he ever muttered was the name of the cashmere merchant's little daughter who had shown some interest in him and had showed him some compassion and had come to talk to him a few times. And her name was the only thing that he ever muttered while he was with them. That's so sweet. That is just, it melts your heart, doesn't it? Because it shows under that facade of savagery or, you know, being feral, there was still a little boy in there. There was still a human in there. He had he had all the means. Well, no, he didn't have any means, but he had all the potential to still be a little boy. But I guess back then there was no therapy. They didn't know what they were doing. So didn't, that, that's it. That's all he ever said. He only said her name. So one night, Janu, the caretaker, he heard a commotion and he came out of his tent to see two wolves sniffing the boy and they woke him up but instead of being alarmed at the sight of the wolves the boy seemed delighted and he put his arms around his furry visitors oh the boy would throw leaves and twigs at them and they twirled around him in circles as if they were all playing like old pals that just seems like a scene right out of some kind of animated movie or something it really does it's like totoro or i don't know what but it's so cute um janu of course shooed the wolves away with the help of some soldiers the next night however three wolves came to visit the boy and they played again just like that all like old friends and for the next few nights wolves kept coming to beat the boy just like that playing around and then they would leave so janu's quite bewildered he's like what's going on he assumed that these were the wolves that the boy had grown up with you know when they were cubs because wolves have several litters over the years right and if this boy was living with wolves he had probably played with these wolves when they were cubs and they were coming to meet him i think it's so precious and like there's a part of me that kind of wonders if at that stage if he would be better off just 
going back and living with the wolves. Like, he probably wouldn't have as long of a life or as healthy of a life, but he'd be happy and comfortable, and, like, that's the life that he knows. But, you know, it's it's kind of like a weird moral conundrum where it's like, in theory, you should try to help somebody if, you know, he probably wasn't well-fed. I know humans are not mm. designed to live off of raw meat, and, mm-hmm. you know, walking on all fours, he's going to have so much, like, hip pain and yeah. like so many so many like issues yeah but at, at what point is he too far gone right that's the, yeah, exactly. that's the question because this boy was no less than a wild animal in that in his experience at that point so it's sad to see him be tied up and beaten and try to be something that he clearly wasn't going to be it was it was at that point probably too late for him Right. You have to assume that the people were, were trying their best and doing what they thought was right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like even even now, we want to say back then we didn't have the, the means to deal with it. But it's like even now, I feel like if this was coming up, like, what therapist has trained for that? Like, it's, it's pretty far beyond. There are several cases of feral children being found even today, um, in the last decade even. And you're right. Therapists are not equipped to to really be successful, per se, in integrating them in, into society. They can offer them certain skills, life skills, but very few of them end up being independent or self-sufficient. So, yes, you're right. <laughs> Even with all the therapy and, you know, encyclopedias full of information and knowledge we have it's still a mystery what goes on in the mind and they haven't really been able to crack it. So yeah, it's really sad. This boy should have just, you know, been left alone with the wolves. So Janu, yeah, he was bewildered when he saw these wolves coming to him for, I think a period of two weeks, this was happening. And then one day at the end of two weeks, somehow the boy's rope had given away and he ran off into the jungle at night with the wolves. And he was never seen again. So, happy ending, right? Uh, it could have had a worse ending. Ha- happy is kind of a strong word in my opinion. <laughs> happy for him. I'm sure he was happy. Yeah. And also to answer, uh, well, to address all the points you brought up, you were right. Humans are not made to eat raw meat. There, were, there was another case where another young boy was found. I think he was six, who had been eating raw meat since he had gone missing at three. So, And he had a very painful death just two years after being rescued from the wolves. And he just died. He just died because I suspect, and my co-host Alex also suspects, it was from parasites, from eating all that raw meat. There's no there's no way you can come out of that unscathed. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I guess kind of, kind of um, actually leads into one of the other questions that I have is what is the theory on to how this happens? Because like obviously if you take a newborn baby... And leave them out of the woods. They're not, they're not surviving. No matter how kind the wolves are, like that's not gonna happen. Good point. I have a toddler, and let me tell you, they are helpless for the first, at least for the first year. There is no way a child can survive without caretakers. You absolutely have to take care of them twenty four seven. So, in all the cases where we saw feral children emerge out of the jungles, apparently kids that went missing who kind of matched their descriptions um, had been taken away from their homes when they were around three or four years of age. So they were past, 
you know, that infant stage, they were walking, they were probably used to eating and feeding themselves and stuff. So yes, <laughs> an infant will not survive in the, in the jungle whatsoever. Right. A toddler that can walk, maybe, I don't know, they saw the wolf and they're like, hey, that's cute. Can I, you know, it's cold out here. Can I snuggle with you little wolf cubs? And <laughs> maybe some wolf was, you know, kind on him and was like, yeah, come on, come on in. We got space. We got space for you. Well, I think dogs and wolves, by extension, have a, a higher knowledge and compassion than a lot of people give them credit for. And I think that they do recognize that like little children are not a threat and mm-hmm. like you you see things like monkeys that adopt kittens and yeah. all, all sorts of oddities like that where yes. you wouldn't think you wouldn't think species would be friendly towards other species because a lot of times even within the own species like if a wolf cub from a different pack entered in that's not a guaranteed uh success there mm-hmm. in fact wolves will kill um cubs that they suspect are not their own male wolves so yes they're ruthless they are wild animals but so so maybe if say a hundred kids were taken from their homes three survived <laughs> three survived and out of three maybe two survived with the wolves right we can only speculate because these cases are from so long ago and the ones that we hear of today, I don't know if I totally believe all of them because they stayed with monkeys and whatnot for six years. And I'm like, I don't know if monkeys <laughs> will adopt anyone. I hate monkeys, so I'm biased. <laughs> oh no. I'm very I'm... biased. So speaking of monkeys, let me share another story with you. So three-year-old John Sebunya had run away from an abusive household and was found living among monkeys in Uganda, Africa. Now, currently, he is exceptionally well integrated back into society. He can read and write, although only at a preschool level, even though he's like in his 20s. But still, that's a huge accomplishment compared to all the other feral children that we've heard of who could barely even sign a few gestures. So he's doing really good. And he was by all means neurologically a normal kid or neurotypical kid. So his short stint of nine months to a year, we're not sure exactly how long he spent in the jungle around nonverbal monkeys, didn't really affect his ability to learn later on. And he could relearn how to speak. And this is a small argument towards the theory that in a majority of these other cases, the children were probably born with some congenital defects or developmental delays and had for those reasons possibly been abandoned by their parents or had wandered off into the jungle when their parents were working because these are all poor villagers. They were probably working in farms all day. You know, parents are working in the farms all day and their kids look after the other kids. So it's it's not so unbelievable that kid wandered off into the jungle and they may have already had developmental delays which um, kind of explains their you know estranged solitary conduct as kind of like a pre-existing condition and not so much learned from being in isolation so that's one of the theories that they already had some issues which affected their ability to communicate later when they were found yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say, right? Like that's a that's a weird line to like 
you know, it's a very chicken and the egg sort of a situation in those cases. Yeah, there is a period uh, in um, infant life when they have to be around people who are talking to be able to learn spoken language. And these poor children, unfortunately, were not around verbal, a verbal species. So it those um, those neural connections never took place in their brains. And once you're beyond that age, it's too late to kind of, you know, rewire your brain in, in those communicative areas. I mean, I read so many articles on this and, oh my God, it was, it was so interesting. But also I was like, what am I doing? Am I writing a PhD on this or what? <laughs> yes, yes, you are. All this um yeah, I think it's called like neurocognitive science. And I just found it interesting because, yeah, I'd never heard about this. So I was like, feral children were not like Mowgli. They weren't all happy and prancing around and having a gay old time. No, right. they had miserable lives. They were probably happy in some sense, but physically they were sick. They were right. not doing well. So it kind of burst my bubble and I killed my own buds when I did the research for feral children. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a, it's such a strange, like, thought experiment, too, though, because it's like, you know, even even going to the psycho- psychological thoughts such as, like, well, are you happy with what you have as long as you've never known otherwise? Mm. So, you know, it's like if they're eating raw meat and they're constantly sick and they're in pain, but that's just Normal. what they've always known, like, are they, are they okay with it or are they, like no this is a problem and I feel like there's like an age range that like you can almost just get used to something like that Um, and they were they were they were practically babies when they were abandoned or they wandered into the jungle so that's all they ever knew yeah very few people have memories of before they were like that age three four range yeah so that's when their memories formed and they're like this is life you know this I guess this is life this is what I do now (laughs) i'm a wolf i've who knew i mean on that note i think we're gonna start to kind of wrap things up here was there anything Mm -hmm. else specific that you wanted to get to or touch on before we leave well i'll just say if any of you have kids go give them a really big hug (laughs) i feel so sad after reading this feral child you know phenomenon that i looked at my own child with you know new eyes and i'm like you know what (laughs) go give your kids a hug (laughs) yeah hug buy him a toy let him be a kid and thank your parents thank your parents for not leaving you in the jungle <laughs> yes because because trust me they've had that thought at least once when you when you were kids oh absolutely <laughs> i would not have blamed my parents for leaving me anywhere um luckily the worst ever to me was they left me at church and that was for like 20 minutes so <laughs> um it, it's fairly positive it was an accident right <laughs> so hug your kids and thank your parents oh, perfect what a great note to end on do you want to do you remi- want to remind people where they can go to check you out if they're he- interested in hearing more about this sort of stuff or reaching out to you at all absolutely you can check out my podcast called crimes from the east it's on all the streaming platforms i have an instagram account where i'm very active so you can message me there follow me there come chat with me let me know your thoughts i have an episode on feral children it's called Mowgli it's just called Mowgli the real stories behind Mowgli so you can listen to that if you want to hear a couple more stories about feral children in central India and that's about it
curious person that likes encouraging others, please consider subscribing to discover a new topic with me each week. If you have a topic you'd like to add to the stack, please email theturtlestack at gmail.com. You could also help grow the community by liking, rating, and telling others. Thanks for listening.